I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. There's a lot of people out there that don't slow down for road conditions that are driving recklessly or carelessly, and we want to protect the people that have been injured because of those drivers' actions. You deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. What's up? Welcome back. Nuanas Now, hour number two coming at you. We are on the road to Boise, Idaho, but still a jam-packed second hour coming your way. Miss anything in the first hour? Give you the latest and greatest when it comes to high school sports from around the state of Montana. We also had a long conversation with our great buddy, Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz, and we heard from Justin Rank. He is a defenseman for the top-ranked Grizz lacrosse team. They play Montana State tonight, 7.30 p.m. from Washington Grizzly Stadium under the lights. Number one in the country versus number 11 in the country. Should be a hell of a match. You can find all of that content on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. Also, the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore, best place for you to shop for your blue and gold anytime you are headed to a Bobcat game. Check out the MSU Bookstore. Hour number two, we'll get things started with Justin Angle, a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, and we also will hear from Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. This is all part of our tournament takeover. Our tournament takeover is presented in part... By Gray Wolf Peak Casino, the S&K Bracket Challenge is quite a deal. This is a uh, partnership between Gray Wolf Peak, the Kateknuk, and the Big Arm Resort. They have a $1 million grand prize for a perfect bracket. That's right. If you pick correctly, every single winner in the men's basketball tournament, a million bucks. You can earn up to seven bonus brackets March 1st through the 7th by earning 100 same-day base points in the casinos, limited to one per day. There's almost $8,000 in leaderboard prizes for week one and two, plus combined. And uh, you're going to want to keep this on your radar because the brackets go live on March 12th. So we'll keep telling you more about all the cool stuff that Grey Wolf Peak Casino and their partners for the SK Bracket Challenge have going for you. Grey Wolf Peak Casino. Located at the top of Evero Hill, just a 10-minute drive from Missoula. All of a sudden, it's March, a bright, sunshiny day down the University of Montana campus. Crazy to think that we're already into March, but uh, happy to be here. We're down here at Studio 49 at the Gallagher Business Building here with Justin Engel, University of Montana business professor. He comes to us a couple times a month here on The Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, first thing I want to ask you, man, I just saw... A university van down in the uh, parking lot here, and okay. there's like the kind of the new color schemes. Yeah, this has been an interesting deal because I think people that are involved in the university or that get uh, materials from the university, like I still get the alumni magazine, yeah. and I get various things for GSA, Grizzly Scholarship Association, all that as an alum. Um, but it hasn't been like this full fledged. Here we are. We're changing our colors because they haven't changed the colors yes. fully. So just take us through this, just from sort of a marketing and branding standpoint. Yeah, so when Jenny Petty, our new VP of Marketing and Communications, came on board whenever, a year and a half ago, 
Uh, she engaged in what's called a brand refresh. So you're not like totally doing a sure. total new rebrand. We keep the basic logo, the basic colorway, but just kind of updating and codifying a set of standards for how we portray the brand that is the University of Montana kind of in all places. So syncing up our web materials, syncing up our print materials, uh, adding a new feel that appeals to the the real customer here, which is the student, right? We're sure, trying to attract right, right. more students. And, and so I was on a, a, a committee that kind of evaluated some of the proposals and, and provided some input. And, um, you know, we got the proposals and I really liked this one that we went with because it was the one that made people feel most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if, if all of us gray hairs feel uncomfortable, that's probably a good thing. Sure. It probably means that it's it's targeted for somebody else, not us. And that's what we want, right? We want to, we want the brand to appeal to students. There, this is so funny because I remember when I was a kid when the Grizzlies won the 1995 National Championship and then the next year they changed the colors. Yeah. And that was uh, quite a point of contention in, sure. in Missoula, right? I mean, people had loved the copper and gold. and yeah. I mean, Montana's the treasure state. And we have such a history in mining and minerals and industry and, and all these things. And those colors are just sweet. I mean, they're, they're just sweet. They looked great. And then people hated the maroon and silver. Yeah. But now here we are, and that's been the, the, the sports colors for 26, 27 years. And, and I think it, it would be a similar reaction no matter what you change the colors to. So it is kind of interesting. Yeah, people don't like new stuff generally. <laughs> but then they do like new and stuff. And then they do. It's, it's, <laughs> it's at a core level, it's called the mere exposure effect. The more, <laughs> right. the more repetitions you get being exposed to something, the more you tend to like it. Well, it's like the Missoula Osprey, right? The, it was like a widely disliked change to the Missoula Paddleheads. Sure. Yeah. Yet the Missoula Paddleheads sold more memorabilia than any minor league baseball team in the entire Western United States. So I don't like the change from the Osprey, but the Paddleheads gear is pretty cool. I'm going to buy some of it. So, you know, it's, it, to me, it just seems like good business. Yeah, well, with the Paddleheads, there's probably a bit of a market effect there. Sure. Like the appeal of the Paddleheads and and so forth is probably driven outside of the Missoula community a little bit more than just in Missoula. Because, you know, people around, people like with these minor league teams the novelty of That's right. weird logos and weird mascots and so I think that had some of the appeal that Paddleheads is a little bit different than Osprey and people want something unique there's also a differentiation I don't even know if you know much about this but there's like the school's colors and then there's the spirit colors and those are two different things I never really knew about that so like technically they say the University of Montana never actually changed their school colors okay they just changed their spirit colors right which so then that gives you multiple options to change I don't know it's it's, Uh, it's all interesting I guess I mean you categorize it however you want but but back to your original question (laughs) it is whatever your brand is it is important for you to have a set of standards that um, dictate how you put that brand into the marketplace and, and how you represent yourself. If you're inconsistent or kind of all over the place, if nobody knows what to expect, they don't really have know what to expect of your brand. And that, that's a problem. You need consistency. One other here and now question I wanted to ask you. The Grizz basketball game last Thursday against Portland State was postponed and then eventually called off. We could have a full discussion about the call off. That's way more of a sports discussion, though. You know, you could get into the weeds just in terms of, okay, on one hand, it was not for a quote unquote seed. Everybody was going to sure. get the same place 
But on the other hand, Montana State and Eastern Washington are the two best teams in the conference. They played on Monday, not for a seed. Both teams were locked into what they did, and they played a great college basketball game. That's the spirit of competition, right? But I wanted to ask you from a business and, and sort of revenue perspective, that's sort of a, a tough deal for Montana because they have a, a team in Portland State that's pretty familiar to the fan base. Portland State's best player, Cam Parker, played here at the University of Montana, so that's yep. going to sell you a couple extra tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of seeing the the guy come back to play the Grizz. And uh, also the Grizz have been playing pretty darn good the last month or so. And so they got some momentum. And so uh, just sort of a lost revenue opportunity for Montana. I, I guess people aren't really considering the business side of this. Yeah, it, it's hard to, I mean, it's probably easy to quantify the lost sure. revenue. Um, at the same time, you know, I think you have to view it holistically, like it, it was a weather cancellation, right? It puts the team and the coaches and all the personnel at risk to travel. Um, putting the team on the floor presents a risk to the players for injury, That going into the tournament, all, the, all these sorts of considerations. Um, you know, I think you could roll it up into a singular metric of lost revenue dollars, but I think that's a little myopic in the sense that Viewing it as a loss or a gain in the grand scheme has to be a little bit more of a holistic analysis, I think. It's not definitely a, a complete break in the bank, so to speak, yeah. but uh, certainly uh, just you know incremental. But Montana will be fine. They'll, they'll figure out a way uh, to make it up, and uh, you could probably make it up by then making a run to the big dance. So that's where I want to go next. Uh, Nuana's now ESPN Radio. The Business Angle here with Justin Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how they can help you with any of your small business needs. The phenomenon of the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. It, it's amazing to me for a variety of reasons. First of all, you sort of, you had the the rise of college basketball. And college basketball for, for a really, really long time was the superior product to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore, but... The NCAA tournament is the premier product for basketball in America for one month at a time. And I find it fascinating that it's been able to maintain that status from John Wooden all the way now until the modern day and age. How have they been able to do it? Well, I think it's it has tremendous consistency. And we will see. This is the year where they go to an expanded, like a really dramatically expanded tournament field. Is that right? Well, they're thinking about it. So it, it was a 32-team tournament all the way through the 70s. Right. Then in the late 1980s, or late 1970s, they expanded it to 64, and then it's expanded to 68 since then. There's also speculation that maybe they double it again someday soon. But I think before they ever double it again, they're just going to have a, a different ulterior tournament. Okay. You know, that that's the thing is there's payouts here through the NCAA that's sort of revenue sharing. I think the team that wins the NCAA tournament this year will get somewhere around $8.5 million. Certainly a significant number for your athletic department. But there's also a scenario here in which somebody that's a private donor or a private a conglomeration of people could come up with, what, 10 times that much money for the yeah. prize? I mean, yeah. you could theoretically come up with... 50 times that much money in the prize because you're talking about this tournament just in TV revenue is going to make a billion dollars. So you could totally have a $100 million prize. It's just a matter of what road we go down to. But you're right. It has evolved and they've opened more doors for more teams to be able to compete. So I think the thing driving the success of the NCAA tournament is its consistency. Yes, it expanded from 32 to 64, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. 
but it's largely been a consistent product mm-hmm. that within that consistent product has a ton of unpredictability. That's right. Right? You've got these early rounds that, yeah. that people tune into because you might see something you don't expect and you're likely to across the totality of the games. But as the tournament progresses, you've got usually a decent number of these franchises, essentially, the Dukes, the Carolinas, that just consistently, there's enough of them that that make it deep enough into the tournament that those you know, New York Yankee-style fans will stay interested. And I think they occupy a really compelling space on the calendar, right? College football is kind of done. Mm-hmm. The NFL is done. The NBA is kind of dragging. We're post All-Star break, but the sure. playoffs really haven't you know, come into a clear picture. I'm not saying the games don't matter, but they certainly don't matter to the extent that these college games matter. And those college games, it also... And we'll talk about this in a moment. I think they, the NCAA tournament allows the myth of the amateur athlete to persist. For sure. Particularly when you're dealing with the mid-majors going up against the big programs and maybe having upsets. So like Those seem like kids that, one, they seem like kids, and two, they right, seem right. like... like people from our community that we can identify with, you know, the bad news bears type stories. For and sure. I think that allows, there's so many on-ramps to this product, yet the product is really consistent. And I think that's probably a big contributor to success. There's certainly the the time and place, uh, the timing on the sports calendar is ideal because mm-hmm. you're right. They, they do get to take center stage. Oh yeah. The fact that they do it at neutral sites and oftentimes they're at very, uh, um, Alluring neutral sites, right? Like, I'm probably going to get sent to either Sacramento or San Diego. Yes, please. That sounds great after the, the yeah. long winter that we've had. But that brings fans from all over, too, because they can have a little vacation and also watch some basketball, right? Mm-hmm. So that's part of it as we, well. We, we have to also mention the brackets. Like, everybody likes to fill out a bracket. That's and, right. And it's like, we've talked about sports betting many times on this segment. Well, this is a form of sports betting that's been around for a long, long That's time, right. and you don't have to be that familiar with college basketball. At you just all. have to pick universities or mascots that you like. It's <laughs> totally. so easy. It's like easier than than fantasy football or, or, or any really kind of sports gambling. It is true. The business angle here on Nuwana's Now, uh, presented by Blackfoot Communications. That's, I guess, why I posed this question, is that, to me, the product that is men's Division One college basketball has regressed significantly. Mm-hmm. There's variety of reasons for that. There's the the uh, sort of ever-moving target of, of when guys can go pro, right. the one-and-dones. There's also the influx of the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. There's very few familiar faces, you know, guys that have been around at their schools. That's why college basketball did become so popular, is you had, you know, even the Michael Jordans of the world still right. stayed in North Carolina three for years. three years. I mean, Bet- Patrick Ewing was like the prodigy of all prodigies. He mm-hmm. still played at Georgetown for his whole career before he went to the NBA. And uh, that, that sort of that part has sort of regressed. Also, the game itself, I think that the athletes have gotten better, the skills have gotten worse, the court hasn't gotten any bigger. They're playing an NBA-style game that's not an, under NBA rules or an NBA court. Yeah. So it's way more clogged up. There's way more fouls. I mean, we see these whistle fests. But that's all erased when the NCAA tournament starts. And I think that it... I, I don't know. I, I guess 
they don't even have to worry about the regression of their product as a whole because it all just gets summed up in three weeks in March, right? Well, I mean, I think in general you have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, those sort of um, slow drip degradations that you've outlined there, yeah. they're not as obvious in the tournament. And the, in the tournament, you know, the teams are rising to the occasion. They're playing as hard as they can for those minutes and just the raw excitement of each game, I think, blurs the kind of degradation of the style of play and those other constraints that you it's kind so of true. It's so true. It's so true. I, as somebody that analyzes this and watches it extensively, I have fully given up on watching regular season men's college basketball. It doesn't. It's not fun to me. Yeah. I can't turn on a game on a Monday or Tuesday night. First of all, I can't turn on a game and know anybody. The only guy I know is the coach. Yep. Right? Like, you got big-time programs playing. I know who the coaches are. Sure. I don't know who anybody is playing in the game. It's hard to. This guy transferred from here, and he transferred from there, and all of a sudden this guy's on school four. It's just not for me. The The way that they officiate the games, it's not for me either. But, but again, it all gets erased when they get into the NCAA tournament, and I think what you just said, you nailed it. The, just the, the, the ultimate result of it, win and move on, lose and go home. Yeah. The... Everybody, everybody that's watching can say, "I told you so." I, I told you Vermont was going to beat Virginia. You oh, know, yeah. even though you don't know a dang thing about Vermont, <laughs> the affirmation to the sports fan—that's one of the things I think is the thing that carries this all day. Vermont's the catamounts, right? Well, see, Vermont is the catamounts. And Vermont actually—I shouldn't dog on Vermont. Vermont actually is very good as a basketball program and have won games in the NCAA tournament before. And why are they called UVM, not UVT? Uh, it's, Who knows, it's right? very, very, very. Anyway, confusing. Vermont's a yeah, bit of a uh, outlier here. For sure. It is, though, uh, amazing how they've continued to empower sort of this core fan base. And, uh, you know, I, I would say most of the people that watch the NCAA tournament don't really watch the rest of college basketball. And it doesn't matter. All the things I'm talking about doesn't matter to them at all. They just can't wait to get their bracket and fill it out. I mean, you might equate it to the Super Bowl halftime show sure, right, we talked about right. a few weeks ago, right? What do you? Last question on this element. What do you think is, is the future of this? I mean, do you, do you feel like they can sustain sort of this deal where the regular season has become largely irrelevant and, and it really is just, in terms of appeasing to the broadest fan base you can, it, it really is only just about a, a three or four or five week stretch. Yeah, I think they can sustain it if they resist the temptation to dramatically expand the field or change the format. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a thing that's working, right? Mm -hmm. And it's averaged a very consistent viewership over the last 10 years. In a, mar in, in a world where you know, a lot of sports um, viewership numbers have been going down. So I think it's going well. There's a temptation to mess with it. There are all these forces swimming around, and we're going to talk about one of them in a moment, that potentially undermine the power and utility of the NCAA. So I think those sort of systemic shocks or systemic risks are... Um, are probably the things that the tournament needs to look out for more than trying to tinker with its format. The regular season numbers, I mean, those will sort of play out with uh, the TV deals. If those conferences and those schools can't get the uh, the numbers they've been accustomed to through TV deals for the regular season, they're going to have to look to fill that revenue elsewhere. It's going to be tempting to tinker with the tournament. Um so we'll see how it plays out. I just think that that if you start tinkering too much, you're going to undermine some of the unique assets that make the tournament so powerful. New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio, the business angle. Justin Angle joining us here from Studio 49. 
appreciate everybody for tagging along and following along here. Uh, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you in a variety of ways. You texted me about the Cavendar twins, and this yeah. is an interesting story. One of my buddies, we were talking about this exact thing, and, and his response was, this falls under the category of the NCAA was pushed so much to investigate UCLA's cheating that they sanctioned Long Beach State. <laughs> you know, he. I guess what I'm saying is, it's for those unfamiliar, the Cavender twins are uh, very good players at the uh, University of Miami, Miami women's basketball, uh, a good program for sure. Both these young ladies have been standouts th- throughout their careers. They also have been uh, sort of on the forefront of name, image, and likeness deals. They are both. Um, how do you say? They're both very good looking, and I think yeah. that helps. They're also, you know, in Miami, this place where you can have all this different influence. But then they were they uh, Miami fell under sanctions because of some stuff that happened during their recruiting. Sure, I just couldn't help but laugh because of all the stuff that's gone on at Miami over the last twenty to twenty five years. With I mean. Stuff that would have, even in the days of NIL, there was stuff that was going on in Miami that would have been still illegal sure. because of the booster interactions and where the money was coming from and all sorts of different things. Uh, just break this down for us. What do you what do you think of just sort of this phenomenon, sort of backhandedly and and retrospectively coming down the pipe against these young ladies? Yeah, I I don't have a deep thoughts on exactly why the NCAA chose to go after these two young ladies for what appears to be a pretty minor infla- infraction. It's like the coach who was recruiting them brought a booster to the dinner or something like that. But what I think we're seeing here is that, you know, for years and years, we're seeing these sort of unintended consequences of introducing market dynamics into a market that had been largely subsidized and manipulated by the NCAA for years, right? It's a great way so, of putting it. Title IX, 50-year-old piece of legislation, has done a lot to create opportunities, particularly for women, but it's it's forced universities to subsidize a lot of women's programs. And largely, I think that's a great thing. It's, it's created a lot of opportunities for a lot of people that in a tr- strictly market-driven dynamic would not have had those opportunities to compete. Layer on top of this is sort of a media push to promote women's athletics for the sake of women's athletics. And I think that's a good thing largely too. For sure. But NIL introduces a market dynamic into this area. And so what we're seeing is the market forces are rewarding things other than competitive ability. Absolutely. They are rewarding social media influence. That's social right. media influence is driven largely by your attractiveness, right? Like For you look sure. at the top NIL deals in college sports, across all college sports, and it's mostly women. Yep. And it's mostly very attractive women, often in gymnastics, which is a very low revenue sport. Totally. These Cavendier twins, you know, th- they fit that category as well. And, you know, the viewership of live sports in general, even women's live sports is still mostly men. Even though like ESPN and these and Fox and all these other uh, media entities are trying to create on ramps to expand the marketplace with more female viewership, but at the end of the day, this is like we try to manipulate and control this market for some benevolent reasons, but we introduce an open market dynamic and we see it descend to kind of sex selling, for lack of a better phrase. Olivia Dunn is perhaps the best example yeah. of this. Olivia Dunn's the gymnast at at LSU. She has, I believe, one of the only, if not the only, 
million dollar NIL deals for a female and maybe of any college athlete. Um, Olivia Dunn's very attractive. I don't really know how many people are, are, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. I guess what I'm saying is that there, then you get into the dark side of the way that the algorithms for social media work, sure. what they present to people. And, uh, it, it just gets into the weeds all the way, and I, I just don't know. On one hand, if if you're going to make money off of your image, no matter what your image is, mm-hmm. as an athlete, as a person, as a female, at whatever, all the power to you. On the other hand, though, I do wor- worry about this, like, taking away from the, the accomplishments of these, especially young ladies, as athletes themselves, right? It gets into the weird weeds of exploitation and, and I don't know. I don't know where I stand. I don't know how to compartmentalize all yeah, this. Yeah, it gets creepy really fast. I mean, the market will reward whatever the market rewards, but when we're talking about um, young athletes, young athletes enrolled at universities um, and the value systems that universities purportedly promote, like it, get, it gets kind of murky. At the same time, I don't want to roll, I don't want to just attribute all of this to a, a women's only problem. Sure. I mean, male athletes, athletes of all genders, there's a correlation between success and attractiveness, right? Like Michael Jordan probably wouldn't have been the 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 multi-market media superstar that he was had he not been such a good-looking dude. It's true, man. He's got million dollar smile. That's been a Michael Jordan's talent sold a lot of sneakers. How handsome he is sold a lot of sneakers. It really did. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a real part of this. And at the end of the day, it's entertainment. We're placing a dollar value on the entertainment entertainment experience. There's a totality of that experience. Does it include dimensions that the NCAA or, you know, certain social activists might not want to be rewarded like physical attractiveness? Yes, it does reward that stuff. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. There's probably a range of opinions around that, but the market thinks it's a good thing, and the market is driving dollars in that direction. It's going to be so interesting to see where this goes. I think the way you summed it up though, there, though, where there was sort of this phenomenon, and th- there's this thing going on with money in college athletics for a very long time, yeah. and then you introduce regulations to an already existing market it's going to be weird for a while. Well, and, and I think too, like all the talk we've had about NIL is like usually driven by big time college football players, right? Yep. yep. And, and thinking of like these guys are either, the NCAA is trying to hang on to as much control as they want yes. or as they can. And there's been like all this talk about the tip of the spear money athletes. I don't think anybody in this space really anticipated that you know a five foot women's gymnast from LSU would be making more money than anybody else in this space um, take a step back it was probably pretty predictable sure if we really thought about it but the policies were not constructed with this kind of outcome in mind and market dynamics tend to create you know tend to reveal um, incentives and preferences that we might not have um, accurately assessed in the beginning. The Business Angle with Justin Angle down here at Studio 49 at the Gallagher Business Building on the University of Montana campus, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Last point on that is that I think that there's going to be an evolution here too where influence and the ability to message is going to overtake the prestige of the endorser, so Mm. to speak, right? Like right now, the way that things have sort of gone, even in small markets like Missoula and Bozeman has been the most popular athlete 
you know, the Tommy Mallott of the world, the Junior Bergen of the world is the guy that's getting the stuff. From somebody that does marketing for a living, I think you got to go one cut deeper than that and find the person that could message your stuff the sure. best, right? Yeah. So I wonder then if we uh, add the element of just personality, the element of marketability, the, the element of the ability to talk uh, moving forward. I think that's going to be an interesting one. One last thing I want to get to because I know you got to go. Uh, the Grizz Lacrosse team won against St. Thomas, who was like the the juggernaut Goliath of MCLA Men's uh, Collegiate Lacrosse Association yeah. Division Two. They won six out of the last nine national championships. They were the number one team in the country. Grizz beat them ten to eight this last week, and then the Grizz ascend to number one in the country in the MCLA Division Two poll. It's kind of cool. It's a pretty big deal. I mean, yeah. what do you what do you think of this, just in terms of uh, sort of the exposure of the university? I, I I think it's great. I mean, we've talked we talked about the University of Montana hockey team, yeah. and, and kind of what that's done and the, the cool experience it's created. Um, it's a great deal for the university, right? Because it's not a it's not a varsity sport, totally. so they don't have to support all this infrastructure, and they they get a lot of kids from out of state. Montana uh, Montana is not a big lacrosse state. Yeah. Um, so we recruit a lot of kids from out of state. That's great for our enrollment. That's great for our tuition revenue. Um, it's probably unfortunate. I mean, our colleague Tucker Sargent would probably say like, hey, it's a raw deal for him. Um, you know, because he's not a Division One coach sure. at the University of Montana, but it's a lot of upside for the university, that's for sure. And for those sure. kids are having a great experience, too. They're having a great experience, and, you know, it's funded very much like a varsity sport. They're committing like a varsity sport in terms of the time, and it's sort of just a circumstantial thing in terms of what level they play, because there's just only, I think, 51 Division One lacrosse yeah. teams in the yeah. country. So it, it, to be Division Two, you're still playing at a very high level. Sure. And most of the guys have played lacrosse their whole lives and, and played at a very high level. So uh, I just I think it's very cool. And uh, I think they've done a great job working hand-in-hand with the university as well. I think it's an example for all. I mean, Tucker sold that to President Bodner often, saying, hey, you know, we have this sport that, you know, we're going to use a little bit of the Grizz logo and things like that, but we're also going to bring you 20, 25 kids that are good upstanding students that are paying out-of-state tuition and they're also participating in activities. And it's driving community engagement. That's I mean, right. You go That's to those right. We're talking about games, exactly. You go to the lacrosse games and people are out. People that might not have explicit connections to the university, they're out cheering it on because it's a great viewer experience. It's a great night out. No, I was now ESPN Radio, the business angle with Justin Angle. Do this every couple of weeks, every other week uh, here on your radio dial. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to find out more about how Blackfoot can help you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I don't think I said anything that would get me fired, but maybe. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. <laughs> Gotta love it. See you, see you soon. See ya. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. Is Nuwana's now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Yo, what's up? Welcome back. Nuwana's now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Our tournament takeover continues. Thanks so much to our great sponsors for our tournament takeover, including Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls of Missoula, located on the south side of town. 
Want to watch the Big Sky Conference Tournament? Want to watch state hoops from around the state of Montana? Want to watch the NCAA Tournament? No better place to do it than Paradise Falls. They have 30 big screen TVs. They got food and drink specials from the time they open at 7 a.m. until the time they close at midnight. They also got a full-service casino and a Sports Bet Montana kiosk where you can place all your bets. Go check them out on the south side of town, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hot spot. Time now for our Montana State Minute. Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. They are the defending Big Sky Conference Tournament champions and the number two seed. Heading into the Big Sky Tournament, they will play on Sunday against the winner of Portland State and Northern Colorado, the 7-8 and eight game that takes place on Saturday evening. The Montana State Minute presented by JV Restaurant Supply. JV Restaurant Supply wants to wish the Montana State Bobcats and the Montana Grizzlies best of luck at the Big Sky Conference tournaments this week in Boise, Idaho. JV has supported athletics across the state of Montana for almost 50 years. Next time you're hosting a big gathering or dreaming of tailgate season, think of JV Restaurant Supply. Locations in Bozeman, Great Falls, and Billings, or you can visit jvrestaurant.com. Well, it's tournament time. The calendar officially into March and the Big Sky Tournament on the horizon. We will be taking the show on the road, headed down to Boise, Idaho. Excited for our tournament takeover. It's the seventh year in a row we've done it, fifth year in a row from Boise, and uh, so excited to be on the ground there in Idaho, Capital City, uh, covering every single one of the Big Sky Conference tournament games, both women's and men's tournaments. We're joined now by Danny Sprinkle. He's the head coach of the Montana State men's basketball team. And Coach, first question, just a broad one. How do you feel when the calendar turns to March? What's your favorite part about this time of year? Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's, uh, you know, March Madness, you know, just all the tournament games that are going to be on TV. Everybody's on the edge of their seat. You see the upsets. You see the big shots, um, you know, in every league. And our league's going to be no different. You know, I mean, it's it's probably the most balanced that Big Sky's ever been. And uh, it's going to be a tremendous couple days down in Boise. And, uh, you know, just got to prepare, man. You got to go 1-0. and That's all you got to do is just go 1-0 and each game. Was the, when the dust settles, you guys take a 15-3 and record in, and you've won 10 out of your last 11. So what has been uh, the things that you've liked the most about the way your team's playing down the stretch and into the tournament here? Yeah, you know, we, we've won some close games, uh, which, you know, good teams, you know, championship teams, you have to do that. You know, it's it, there's going to be some ugly games in Boise, too, and you got to find a way to you got to find a way to win the ugly ones. And we've we've done that. Um, you know, I like our maturity. You know, we don't this group. We, we don't get too high. It's similar to last year's group. Like we we coach them hard. Um, in fact, I coach them harder after wins uh, than I do losses. And so, you know, they're. They're humble. They're hungry. You know, they, they know what's at stake. It's good that we have a couple new guys on our roster um, that have never, you know, experienced the championship. And so, you know, they got that hunger, and, and they bring that to practice every day. It is so interesting, too. I remember I was going through some of our old interviews, working on a couple features for uh, coming up to the tournament that we could, that will run on SkylineSportsMT.com. And you mentioned that element, just defining what the goals are of each individual guy in your team and what the goals of the group are collectively. And then you don't ask, you demand in terms of reaching that standard. How have you thought this group has handled uh, that style of coaching and, and that style of goal setting? They, they've been phenomenal. You know, I think if, you know, when you recruit high character guys, they adjust. And, you know, not only are they high character, like they want to be good. They want to be pushed. And I tell them that in the recruiting process, like, you know, our program's not for everybody, you know, and it's, it's tough. It's demanding. Like we're, we're going to love you, you know, and, and they feel that, 
you know, and I think you can even ask our new guys, like, even in nine months, like, you know, they get loved, you know, and, you know, a lot of people only see the games where we're challenging them and things like that. They don't see a lot of the stuff off the court or at my house. Like, they get they get a lot of love, and, that, and that's why we can get a lot out of our guys, I believe. Um, you know, but they, they're fighters. You know, we, we try to recruit competitive guys that are tough, uh, that, that, that want to win a championship. It's not about stats. You know, that stuff all comes, you know, the more games you win. Dave Spriggle joining us here on Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. His squad takes the number two seed into the Big Sky Tournament in Boise. Uh, Coach, 15 league wins is an impressive number, especially this year in this league with how even everything was and how many one-possession games there was. And it's funny, you look back at last year's championship team, and uh, you played more games, so you had more wins, but you also had one more loss as well. So compare and contrast them. I mean, what did you think of just the, the total body of work? during the regular season by your squad yeah you know i mean very similar you know i mean we've had i mean we've had you know five six games where we just kind of scrapped mountain the last possession you know you even look at you know sacramento state last thursday you know we got some breaks and, and won in the last minute and a half you know against nau you know great Spar. you know we, we led for 40 seconds or something like that and so, you know, you have to win games like that. And Eastern's done that, too. Eastern's won five or six games in the last 30 seconds also. And so everybody's league, everybody's record in the league could be flip-flop very easily. And that's why it's going to be an unbelievable tournament. But I'm proud of our guys for the way, you know, we've had a bullseye on us this year. You know, there's, there's no question about it. I didn't think we had a bullseye on us last year. And for our guys to be able to handle that, you know, with some maturity and humbleness and, and know we're going to get people's best shots, um, you know, this year, you look at our road games, the attendance of those road games, those places were packed. Eastern Washington, that place was rocking. Rocking. You know, I mean, that was that was awesome. You know, credit to their team because they have a good team. But, you know, I think the magnitude of the game, you know, with us coming in, you know, it was, it was awesome. That was one of the loudest environments I coached in. It was super fun watching it. And you could tell. I mean, it was almost like a postseason atmosphere. And Eastern had already... I mean, Eastern had already sewed it up. Everybody knew that they were the one, you were the two. But still, it seemed like your guys really took uh, initiative in the game. What did you think of the effort in your 77-74 win over Eastern Washington on Monday? Yeah, it was tremendous effort. You know, they're they're just they're so talented. They're big. They're physical. They, uh, you know, they the one thing they don't get credit for is they they really guard you. You know, like they do a good job protecting the paint, making it hard, and they're so dangerous shooting a three. You know, they can they can break games open and go on 11-1, 12-0 runs. And that's where you have to you have to be very solid with the basketball and your discipline. You know, and you can't take bad shots against them because they just they feed off that. Uh, but I was I was proud of the way our guys handled it. When they made their run, our guys didn't flinch. You know, we just just stuck with the process. We kept grinding, tried to get the ball to the paint, you know, and, and our guys made some big shots. Montana State Minute presented by J&V Restaurant Supply. Danny Sprinkle, Montana State men's basketball coach, joining us. Coach, new format to the tournament. It seems to be always a moving target because we've had so much influx and, and exit from the league. But now here we are with 10 teams, which seems like a better number. But regardless of the number of teams, what do you think of the new format now? Your squad will play your first game on Sunday. You'll await the winner uh, of the uh, 7-8 game there between Portland State and Northern Colorado. So what do you think of just the, the new format of the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll let, I'll let you know after the tournament right. how I feel about it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's good. You know, you want to, 
you know, in any league at our level where it's a one bid league, you know, you want to protect people that, you know, that had good records in the, in the conference season, you know, you want to try and protect your top seeds. And, uh, you know, I think we've tried to do that and, uh, you know, so we'll see, you know, I mean, it'll be, it's interesting because like you're, you know, we're going to play a really good team. And so is Eastern Washington on Sunday afternoon after they've already played a game on that court. You know, and so it's, you know, you got to get through that first game. And if you do, you know, obviously then you get that break where you have a day off and let everybody else beat up on each other and, and you kind of get to the semis. But it does, it does worry you a little bit, you know, with that first, uh, that first game with a team that's already played in that gym. And, and they're obviously going to have some confidence because they just won a game. So it's, it's dangerous. You guys have had, I don't think there's anything better the league could have done. You know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like that's you know they're trying to protect the top seeds. It is a good job in terms of protecting the top seeds. You guys have had yeah. some great runs in the Big Sky tournament the last couple of years. Played in the championship two years in a row and then won the championship last year. So, uh, what does it take in your estimation to have success when it comes to the conference tournament? It's going to come down to games like Eastern. It's uh, you know you have to make plays when they need to be made. Uh, there's gonna, it's, they're all gonna come down to the last four minutes every game, and who's gonna make the big shot? Who's gonna get the big offensive rebound? You know, who's gonna get the defensive stop? You know, when you have to get it, and that's one thing that, you know, our team's done a pretty good job of. There's been, we have some flaws, uh, but when it's when it's time to get a stop, we get a stop, and when it's time to get that rebound, we've gotten that rebound, and we need to continue to do that for three straight games. Is there anything that you think will be different about th- this year's tournament? I guess what do you just think of, of the field in general? We've talked all season long about how the, the Big Sky is as even as it's ever been. Uh, but what do you think of just some of the, the top contenders that, that uh, lie in the way of you repeating as, as Big Sky champions? Yeah, I don't, you know, I think it'll be similar to last year. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, every game was close last year. You know, I mean, Weaver State had a chance to beat us in the semis. They had two three pointers to win it. You know, and so you got to, you gotta you gotta make your own breaks, but you also you know you gotta get some luck too, and uh, you know you gotta find ways. Like I mentioned earlier, you gotta find ways to win ugly. You know, there's gonna be times where your shots not falling. You know, teams are gonna throw out different zones, boxing ones. Like you, you know, and we're, we'll be prepared for everything, and uh, you know because you never know what you're gonna see at turning time. Thanks and it's for- fun too because you never know. There's different guys that step up on every team. You know, like there's going to be a game in this tournament where Nick Gazelis makes four threes for us. You know, other teams are going to have guys step up that it may not be kind of what's happened all year, but it, that's what that's what March Madness is all about. That's what March Madness is all about. We can't wait for it. Dave Sprinkle, Montana State men's basketball coach. Coach, last thing for you, then what's the, the schedule for you guys look like? What's the procedure look like with uh, a couple days off now, but then uh, playing on Sunday? So will you be there Saturday to, to scout that 7-8 game? And uh, if so, I mean, what do you hope your guys take from it? And, and how does it all work as you prepare for a, sort of an unknown opponent in your first conference tournament game? Yeah, we'll, we'll be there to watch the games on, on Saturday. We're going to fly in Friday. Um, you know, get a get a walk through and get a little sweat in on Friday, and then we'll practice again Saturday morning. Uh, and then, then obviously get off our legs and get ready for eight o'clock on Sunday night. Um, but you know, up until then, you know, today, you know, we just got back at like three thirty yesterday. You know, it's it's big sky travel. It's hard. It's you know, we're the most you know you know for the local team you know in the tournament. You know, it's hard it's hard to get to the Bozeman from a lot of these places. 
And so we're going to, you know, today we're just going to kind of scale and do a bunch of shooting. And then tomorrow, we'll, tomorrow and Friday, we'll kind of get back after it a little bit. Uh, but I, I need to give these guys a day off. You know, we played, we, we played three games in five days, you know, two times this year. No other team did that. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, our group will be ready regardless. We have to play five, six, seven games in a row. Bobcats, Big Sky defending champions, take the court again next 8 p.m. Sunday against the winner of Portland State and Northern Colorado at the Big Sky Tournament from Boise. Danny Sprinkle, Montana State men's basketball coach, joining us here uh, on Nuwana's Now. Coach, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you down there in Boise. Thanks for giving us some time today. You got it, man. Go Cats. Appreciate you. Colter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company on behalf of both ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports. Here are some of our friends from Blackfoot Communications, one of our great business partners at both entities. They've done so much for us in helping us develop so many different things at Skyline Sports. Also help bring you our ESPN Radio podcast network as well. We're here with Hannah Kreiss from Blackfoot Communications. She is a business development representative. Tell people just about your history at Blackfoot. How long have you been at Blackfoot? Yeah, I've been at Blackfoot three years now. When it comes to just uh, your actual job title, what is it that you do? I mean, what is your primary things that uh, go on in your day-to-day at Blackfoot? Yeah, so I target and work with small businesses um, and just helping them get connected to internet and phone services, just smaller grade equipment and services that they might need and not all of the bigger enterprise. What's your favorite part about your job at Blackfoot? I like connecting with people and meeting new people and going out and just having those conversations and getting to know them in the community. And how about just the organization in general? I mean, it it seems like such a great company to work for. Yeah, absolutely. It's very community-based, very family-oriented inside as well, and it's definitely very enjoyable. If you want to find out more about Blackfoot Communications in general, visit goblackfoot.com. Great website, very easy to navigate. They can help you with all sorts of things from small business development to any sort of fiber, internet, communications, anything like that. Small business networking, all of it. Visit goblackfoot.com. One, two, three. What is now on ESPN Radio. Presto Changeo, we're here. It's magic. We're to Boise, Idaho, capital city here in Idaho. The Big Sky Conference Tournament for both men's and women's basketball starts tomorrow at noon. We're happy to be here. Thanks for following along to our traveling radio show. Thanks to all of our great guests. Missed anything in the show? You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Whether it was Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, Justin Rink, defenseman for the Grizz lacrosse team, Danny Sprinkle, Montana State head men's basketball coach, or Justin Angle, a business angle. Appreciate all of our fine guests for joining us here today. Thanks to Andrew Houghton for producing the show in the back, steering the ship, making sure all of the interviews fire. And uh, thanks to everybody else that uh, helped make this show possible. A couple updates for you before we get out of here. First of all, the Big Sky Boys, they stay alive. They win a loser-out game over Missoula Sentinel, 64-32, the final score. So the Eagles, they advance to take on the loser of the Hellgate-Helena Capital semifinal. That game will tip off tentatively around 6.30. I think it's the next game up there at the uh, Western AA Divisional up in the Flathead. Also, in real time, the Hellgate girls clinging to a 26-25 lead over the Big Sky girls. That's an undefeated semifinal there. That's at the end of the third quarter. We'll have full updates for you on all things Western AA, Eastern AA hoops, state tournament previews, and plenty of Big Sky conference coverage on Monday as well. In the meantime, keep it right here. We got some fun Friday night listening for you. The Kraken, Seattle Kraken. We are the official affiliates of the Seattle Kraken. And we got the game coming at you 
uh, here in just a little while. So don't change the dial. Keep it right here on ESPN Radio. And uh, be sure to check out SkylineSportsMT.com throughout the weekend. we got a bunch of feature stories coming up to prime you for this tournament. We'll also have a bunch of coverage, post-game podcasts, and otherwise. So check out SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm Coulter Nuanez. This is Nuanez Now. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks so much for listening. Have yourself a great weekend. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com.